joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good afternoon or good evening now. It's, it's just plumb dark now when we get here in the afternoons of the Sunday evenings. Uh, I want to uh, direct your attention back to our thoughts from this morning as uh, I kind of got off on a, a little bit of a tangent, not really a tangent, I call it chasing rabbits, kind of chased rabbits a little bit um, this morning with this idea of uh, living your life joyfully uh, or making the, the jobs of our elders a joyful job. And uh, because of that, as I was kind of watching the clock this morning, believe it or not, I do actually watch the clock when I preach, although uh, some people, my kids mainly, uh, don't believe that I do that. They 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 just think that it keeps getting longer and longer, and I, it's not. But because at some point I get hungry and I'm ready to be done myself. But that's another conversation for another day. But I, I had some kind of you know material, I guess you could say, got left on the cutting room floor uh, that kind of ties into part of our sermon this morning that I just really didn't have time to cover this morning because it takes a little bit more conversation, I think. Uh, than time would allow, but we, uh, we're we going to kind of call this Love Through Boundaries tonight. We kind of talked about this idea, uh, we talked about this idea of, of love and standing on Scripture, and, and I wanted to kind of look at how those two things kind of tied together, because I, I mentioned this morning this idea that um, love Love does not delight in evil. Scripture tells us that. That's not just a Matthew thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians, in uh, Paul's big, long uh, explanation of what love is, he, he talks about how love does not delight in things that are evil. He does not delight in bad things. So how do I love someone, and, and how do I love appropriately in a situation where maybe um, it becomes difficult to stand on Scripture? I, and I figured it would happen, but, but a couple of different conversations that I had this morning after services is, you know, this, this idea, especially when it involves family members that might be living in a way or a lifestyle or friends that are living in a certain way that is uh, not really what Scripture calls us to be. How do I love into that situation? How do I talk in that situation? How do I teach? How do I, how do I you know, just kind of function in these things? And I believe at times that it can cause us, you know, some challenges in, in our heart to trying to figure out how to love properly. Well, I think the way we do that, though, the way we figure that out is we, ha- we love to learn we learn to love through boundaries. And so we ask the question, what are boundaries? Well, um, we all understand, I think, what boundaries are just kind of in general. It's a limit of a subject or a sphere of activity. So uh, we understand that in sports there's boundaries. You can't go past a certain place. Uh, many times when we drive, we, we have boundaries around us. Um, they, they, you know, we stay in our lane, stay inside those boundaries, and they are there to keep us safe. And really the idea of boundaries from a spiritual aspect are very similar. We have boundaries spiritually. God sets those things to our sides and around us and says, you need to live kind of in this sphere, as my aunt might say, you need to live in this hula hoop, live right in this area. And as long as you live in this area, you have mercy and you have grace, you have forgiveness, you have your church family, you have all these things, all these benefits that come along with 
of being a child of God. And what happens when we have to really, I guess, tap into that grace in in maybe a more major way is when we choose to step out of that hula hoop, when we step across those boundaries, or maybe when we allow things to come into our boundaries, they they crush in and and break those things open and get involved in our life, uh, we we tend to really have to lean in on God's grace, uh, maybe more so than we had been at some point. Uh, But boundaries are very important. Boundaries are very important. I know uh, when Blair and I got married and we decided to have kids, we uh, were facing some, at the time, some very challenging family dynamics uh, with, with, our, with her family and with my family. Uh, once we kind of came together as, as a married couple and we just made the decision uh, that in our home, in our home, there were going to be some boundaries for our family members and that if you couldn't function in a loving way, in a caring way, in a compassionate way, you know, one of the big things that we've always kind of believed in, especially uh, with our kids, is we don't believe that kids should have to worry with adult problems. And my mom in particular sometimes has, has um, the, the, uh, the ability to kind of bring adult problems into the relationships with, with my kids sometimes and, and talk about things that maybe we wish, wish that she shouldn't. Um, and they get kind of worried and upset about those things. But uh, with, with some of our family members at different times, we've had to, to remind them, hey, these are the boundaries that we have set in our, in our life. These are the things that are going to go on in our circle. And if you can't function in that, you're going to have to stay kind of outside of the boundary for a little while. And that's a very good thing uh, from an emotional standpoint. It's a very healthy thing in relationships. Uh, but it's just vital for us spiritually to stand on Scripture and set boundaries for ourselves and say these things are true. Okay, This is the limit of, what, uh, of how far I will go in this situation. Paul says that at the end of uh, 1 Thessalonians, he says... Uh, to test everything and to abstain from the appearance of evil. He said there's a limit. He said if it looks evil, just the appearance of it, whether it is or not, if it has the appearance of it, limit your contact with that. Stay out of that. Um, there's a couple of different passages throughout Scripture that if you wonder, well, well, what are the kind of my spiritual boundaries? What are things that I need to make sure doesn't kind of get in my hula hoop? Uh, Paul writes these things for us a couple of different times. We'll look at a couple of passages, but not all of them. And he says, he starts here in this Galatians, chapter 5 passage he says you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love so he sets that boundary for us he says our boundary is this he says we we function in a way that is about freedom okay is about freedom and is about serving one another but he says don't step over that boundary and indulge in the flesh and then he's going to go on uh, for the next couple of verses and starting in verse 19 he says the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissension factions and envy, uh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, look, set that boundary, set that hard line, and say, I'm not going to be a part of this, because if I step over this line and I live in this, he said, there's something that comes along with that, and that is you're not going to inherit the kingdom. You're not going to be part of that of which God has given you. You uh, uh, go to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul's kind of laying out uh, kind of how man falls from grace uh, and the process that is uh, in, in, in that falling away. Uh, and he's talking about some very specific cultural things and what's happened where uh, they are living at the time. And he says, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness. 
evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, uh, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Um, And so he says, look, here's the boundaries. Here's, Here's some things that you need to know. You stand on this side of those things. You stand on this side of those things. Now, this is one of those subjects that I believe we could spend the whole time we have tonight and, and much more of saying these are the boundaries. Don't cross these lines. Don't cross these lines. Don't cross these lines. Don't cross these lines. But the truth is, it's one thing to stand in the room and say, okay, this is the life we're supposed to live, right? It's the way we're supposed to be. But then going out and walking out of the doors and putting this into practice can be difficult because a lot of times those boundaries are pushed up on with people that we love. That I say, this is the life I live. This is the direction I'm going. My focus is on Jesus. I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. I'm not going to let these things in. But the people that challenge those things the most sometimes are those that we love the most. They're family members, they're friends, they're, they're great co-workers that are living in the opposite direction of Jesus maybe. Or, or maybe it's kind of one of those things, they're not necessarily living in the opposite direction of Jesus, they're just living. And they're not really even focused on Jesus one way or another. They're not really concerned whether they're going towards him or going away from him. And so they're just kind of living their life, and, but that in essence is challenging the direction that you're trying to live. So how do I interact with those people? How do I function with those people? How do I show God's grace and love and truth uh, and stand on my principles in those moments? Well, I think there's two different important ways that we have to look at this particular subject. I believe that we look at it in boundaries in the family. When I say in the family tonight, I'm talking about amongst us brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, Because I believe that there are two different ways that you deal with this subject. Um, Because as we talked about in the series before this, Uh, This idea that if someone is coming toward the cross and coming toward Jesus, you deal with them in love, grace, and truth. As they decide to, once they know the truth and become a child of God and they decide to walk away, you deal with doctrine and you deal with um, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. But you can't deal with someone who's not part of the family the same way that you deal with someone who is and vice versa. And so I believe that Scripture talks about some ways that we set boundaries with each other as brothers and sisters, because it is vital for us to create a holy environment in the church, in our church family. Are we ever going to be perfect as a church? No. Is it possible for church members to let you down? Absolutely. Is it possible for us to to make a decision and it be the absolute worst wrong decision, worst thing we could ever do? Yeah, it's possible. We're 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 human. We're never going to do anything perfect, but we have to create as holy of an environment as we can. And part of that is setting these boundaries as a church and dealing appropriately with sin when it comes in. So the first place I want you to look at with me comes from Matthew chapter 18. Starting in verse 15, Jesus says, "If your brother or sister sins." Now, this particular passage is interesting because um, there, there is uh, some manuscripts just use the word sin and then others use sin against you. And a lot of your translations may say if your brother or sister sins against you, um, that there's no just definitive answer if it's sin or sins against you. But, but I find this particular one interesting, uh, the way that the NIV translates it, because I believe it gives us a broader responsibility. 
Because it's one thing to say, okay, if your brother sins against you, if does something to you, then you're responsible for going and trying to deal with that. But it kind of lim- the scope limits maybe a little bit of just kind of personal relationships one-on-one. If Brighton does something to me, I- I'm going to go deal with it in a very personal way. The way this particular uh, the way the NIV translates it, I think it opens up to the idea that if I know Brighton is sinning, as in he has turned his back to God and he has decided I'm going to live in this sinful lifestyle, I know better, but I'm going to do it anyway. If a brother or sister sins, then I have a responsibility to remind him of God's boundaries. And this is how he says to deal with that. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you will have won them over. Now, this is a passage that us, uh, if, if you've grown up in the church and been in church your whole life, you, you know where this particular passage is going. But he starts out, he says, hey, this, this issue with Brighton and I, whether it's between him and I or if it's just I've noticed this about Brighton and I'm, I'm going to be responsible for him as a brother, I go to him and I have a very personal and private conversation, a very personal private conversation. We, the first way we deal with boundaries as a family is, is we keep them very personal and private. And I think when, when we think about the idea of people being hurt by the church, a lot of times people are hurt by the church because things aren't dealt with appropriately. Because I may go to Brighton and talk to him but before I've talked to Brighton, I've talked to everybody else maybe in our young adult group. And then after I get through talking to Brighton, I'm going to go back to the rest of them and talk to them about it again. And, well, I tried to get him to do such and such, and he wouldn't listen, and yada, 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 you know. And so there's a lot more conversation going on that doesn't really need to take place. So he says, look, the first boundaries, the first way you, you try to pull someone back into that family Christian holiness boundary is you just go sit down and talk to them and say, hey, listen. This has been an issue. I've no, I love you, and, and I see that you're moving in a direction that, doesn't, that, that you don't need to be going in. And, and what I've noticed in, in church work is a lot of times kind of this idea of drifting this morning. Sometimes people are drifting, and they don't realize they're drifting, and it just takes someone to, to just kind of shake the inner tube a little bit and wake them up, and they realize, and, and they come back. And, and that's, that's kind of what Jesus says. Hey, you, you may go up to them and have this and everything may work out. But then he goes on and says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. He says, hey, look, you take some other people that love this guy and two or three of you sit down and have a serious heart-to-heart, loving, full of truth and grace conversation with him and do your best to bring him back. And then if that doesn't work, if he still refuses, and this is, I think, what we're guilty of sometimes, whether we do it on purpose or not, the gossip in us sometimes, kind of everybody knows about it before everybody's supposed to know about it. He says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now, this is the part of this process that I think is hard and difficult. That if, if, if I bring this, itch, this situation and this issue to Brighton that I see him dealing with, and I see that he's having problems with in his life, and he, uh, I go to him and I talk to him, and, and then I bring, you know, I bring Will, and I bring some other guys, I bring Caleb guys that we're all in class with together, and then we sit down and talk about it, and it still doesn't work, and then, you know, then we just bring a whole group of people that's like, we love you, man, but, but listen, this has got to change in your life, and he says, no, I don't, I don't want to have, I'm not going to change, I'm going to do what I want to do. He says, then you set a hard boundary, and this is the hard part. He says, you t- treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. And what does that mean? It means you have nothing to do with them. 
I'm not going to say you write them off, but you very much distance yourself from them in, in social circles, in, in interaction throughout the day. Um, other writers kind of talk about the same thing. And um, I think maybe that's the next passage. But, so, but we'll go on to this. But in this process, we have to understand that even though it may get to a point to where it's hard and difficult, we have to also in this process be patient with each other. When we're setting boundaries and trying to get people to understand, hey, you're moving in a, in a negative direction, he says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, this is 1 Thessalonians 5, um, and, uh, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, uh, help the weak. But what's this last phrase say? Be what? Be patient with everybody or with everyone. Be patient. Uh, you, you know, sometimes realizing our own faults is difficult. And when someone comes to Brighton and says, hey, hey, dude, you're, you're, you're really messing this up. This whole part of your life right now, you're, you're, you're in a direction you don't need to be in. Sometimes it may take a moment for him to accept that. And, and so we have to be patient. Uh, but then, like I said, the, the 1 Corinthians 5 here. Uh, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone. I like this phrase because it's important. Claims to be a brother or sister. Okay, someone who says, I am a child of God, right? I'm, 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 I'm committed to Jesus. That's who he's talking about. I'm a Christian. He says, if they claim to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler, do not even eat with such a person. Have nothing to do with them. Set them apart. Set them aside. doesn't say tell them they can't come to church and worship. We don't get to decide who worships God and who doesn't. But he says, hey, look, in this situation, if, if, they are, if they are living this life that they shouldn't and they know better and they're going to walk away, set a hard boundary and do not allow sin to, to circulate in your church circle. Now, like I said, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Uh, but why? Why would we want to do something? Why, why does Scripture say to do that? I believe the answer comes from Hebrews 12. It says they disciplined us for a little while uh, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. The reason he says sometimes you've got to set these hard boundaries with Christians is because we're trying to encourage them to live in true holiness. And if you take, if, 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 the, if your church is your place of friendship and a family dynamic, and, and if Brighton, I mean, Brighton's really not that bad of a guy, but he's just sitting right here tonight. You know, if Brighton all of a sudden starts missing that dynamic and those relationships, maybe that's what gets his attention, to then turn around and come back and live in holiness. So, so that's how we deal with kind of this, this holiness and boundaries fact factor with brothers and sisters. Because there's one, that's one way to deal with it. But then the question becomes, and maybe this is the part that a lot of us struggle with, is how do we deal with boundaries with those outside of the family? Those outside of the family. Because they're not living. They've not made the decision to live in God's grace. They've not made the decision to have their sins washed away and live as a child of God. And so I do think that Scripture says there's some different ways that we deal with that because our goal is not to discipline them. Our goal is to save them, right? So how do I save people? How do I try to bring people to Jesus that are living outside um, the, the, the ways of Jesus, okay? Well, here's some things that we think about. The first thing is this, and, and this is a big one to me. Understand that Jesus is the authority, not yourself, 
All right? In these situations where people are living contrary to Jesus and they're living the lifestyle separate from Jesus and you've got someone maybe in your family that comes and says, hey, I'm going to live this way and you just have to understand that Jesus is the authority and not yourself. And the reason I write that in, in this particular kind of moment is because I, I remember a conversation I was having with a guy one time and he was uh, preaching on some things and, and it just kind of, you know, just kind of, I, it, it kind of bothered me the, the way he was trying to do those things. Uh, and I, I felt that there was a lot of truth, but not any grace. And like we said a few weeks ago, truth without grace is not truth. And grace without truth is not grace. All right? So scripture kind of bears that out. And so I, I just kind of ta- just, just shared my thoughts, uh, just kind of in a brother-to-brother way. And he told me, he goes, Paul preached with that kind of authority. And if Paul's going to do it, I need to do it. And I thought, Paul was also an apostle and had more authority than we did, you know. And sometimes we want to make people think that I know more or, or that I'm more important than I am. But we need to understand that we do not save anybody. We're not the ultimate judge of anybody. It is our job simply to point people to Jesus, not to be their judge, jury, or executor. Jesus said, I am the what? The way. It doesn't say Matthew's the way. It doesn't say Wiley's the way. He says, I am the way. So as we deal with these, these moments in our life with other people who are living you know, that, that lifestyle that we really struggle with, understand that in that moment, you're not the authority, that you're just there to shine light on who Jesus is and what he wants for us. The second thing is this, truly care for the people that you share the truth with. Really care about those people. Don't go and just share the truth just because you want to, to punch the car and say, well, look, I, I've been evangelizing or I've been doing this and that. Relationships in this dynamic are so important. It's so important that as I try to, try to share with someone what Jesus wants or, or what Jesus may be asking of someone or I'm trying to point them to Jesus, it is so important that I look at them and I care about them, that I have a heart for those people, that they're not just someone that's there for me to help. I don't look at them and go, oh, well, I'm just going to help them because it makes me feel good. No, you've got to care for those individuals, and it has to bother you that they are lost, and that has to, 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 to create this compassion in your heart that makes you want to do everything you can to bring them to the Jesus that can save them. You have to care about those individuals. Jesus said this, what to your neighbor? Love your neighbor. Not feel sorry for them, not gripe about them, but to love your neighbor. And that's a very strong and powerful word, right? It's a very strong and powerful word, to love your neighbor. The next thing is this, understand that leaving, um, understand that leaving, I should be the other way, leaving sin, leaving Jesus from sin, maybe I just worded it wrong, leaving Jesus from sin will take work and effort. So for me, and for many of you, the idea of living in Jesus is just an everyday normal thing today, right? We've been doing it for a long time. But I'm going to go over here to, to Brighton again, who has just never lived for Jesus. And I'm going to have to ask him, hey, I, I want you to live for Jesus. Jesus is going to give you some great things, but you're going to have to give some things up. You're going to have to get. What if someone came in here right now and said, hey, I need you to give up Jesus? Just the thought of that sounds hard, doesn't it? Because giving up Jesus means I, I, I give up family, I give up friends, I give up a lifestyle, I give up 
hobbies that kind of circulate around some of those things. It's the same when you come to Jesus. Many people are going to, when they come to Jesus, they're going to lose friends. They're going to lose family members that, that aren't going to understand maybe why they're doing what they're doing. They're going to maybe, you know, have lived in a certain direction and a certain lifestyle their whole life. And just, and just letting, just a complete cold break of that is not going to be possible. It's just, I mean, yes, it is possible, but it's not really the reality. So as we work with those people and bringing them closer and closer step by step to Jesus, even maybe after they've become a child of God, as long as they're walking toward Christ, we have to be patient with them in their journey and never let them feel like the effort is something they have to do all on their own, that we're always there for them and bringing them along in this process. And then I think maybe the last one here, as I was sitting and writing things down this afternoon, is, is very important. Allow people to see your spiritual boundaries, but don't advertise them. Does that make sense? Allow people to see your spiritual Live your life. Let them see the way you live, but don't go around and be like, well, I'm not going so-and-so's house. I'm not doing this. I, I'm a Christian. I'm not. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceits, what Paul says. Don't, don't do it just so people can see. But as I'm working with someone, as I'm trying to bring Brighton closer to God, uh, I love what the greatest, I think, um, what the Pharisees use as the greatest teardown of Jesus, which is also one of the greatest compliments of Jesus, is that he ate with sinners, right? This man eats with sinners. He goes in their house and he, and he just he eats with them. It just, it, just, it just burned them up. It just made them so mad that he would associate with these people. But I think in that statement, you see Jesus' approach with spiritual boundaries. Jesus would associate with people and would do things with people that gave him the ability and the, and the time to bring them closer to God, to have conversations. So he goes and, and he eats with them, but it never it says that Jesus ate with sinners, but it never says that Jesus sinned with sinners, right? So you can put yourself in a situation, in a dynamic that creates conversation and opportunity and even friendships and relationships. But then if that person comes and asks you to participate in that sin, that's when you allow that boundary to really be evident. You don't have to start the relationship and go, well, Brighton, if you're going to do this and this, I'm not, I'm not going out riding with you and doing yada, yada, all, you know, I'm not doing that. I, I'm not. You don't start the conversation that way. You don't throw the boundary up just so that he knows it's there because then he's going to throw up a wall. And you're, but as the conversation comes up, he says, hey, I'm going to go do this with my buddies. We'd really love for you to go, but this is going to be a part of it. And I, and I go, hey, man, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I enjoy our friendship. But that's, that's just something that I can't be a part of. And then that opens up an opportunity for a conversation. Well, why not? Well, then you have, have more opportunity for conversation. So, so live your boundaries. Use your boundaries. Be, be true to them. But in those moments, don't vainly, don't vainly brag about those boundaries. So how do we show love? Love without boundaries I do not believe is true love. Uh, because if I truly love you, I want what's best for you in our relationship. And if you're living a life contrary to Scripture, because that's, that's the basis of this whole conversation, is living a life that stands on Scripture. When you're living a life contrary to that, whether you're a child of God or not, I should love you enough that I want to help you live for Jesus. But that includes having healthy boundaries in our relationship. And, and I think that that's something that just maybe we... we 
we struggle with because it's easy to look at some of these subjects and go, hey, it's black and white. Jesus said, this is thus saith the Lord, either you're with me or you're against me. I, I remember, you know, that there are times in life that that black and white seems to be, you know, the thing that makes sense. But when we're trying to bring people to Jesus, we have to understand that, yes, black and white is, is, is vital to parts of the conversation, but a lot of people live in the gray. And we, and we have to be patient with that and, and bring them into the light that is Jesus. So I don't know if that helps you maybe as you think about conversations and things that you deal with in your own life. It's something that has been on my heart this week as I've studied uh, this morning because there are a lot of struggles that we deal with, a lot of things that we have to, to face every single day. And sometimes knowing what to do and how to handle those moments can be difficult. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus Which and Twitter. the morning stars began For the love Be sure to join us again And until then, remember to love like Jesus man to man.